Welcome. We're here with the Gazette's Fact Checker podcast. I'm Aaron Jordan. I'm the Gazette's investigative reporter. I'm Elijah Dishas, the Gazette's features reporter. I'm Michaela Ram, the Gazette's healthcare reporter. And I'm Marissa Payne, the Gazette's Cedar Rapids government reporter. So I said I was going to do this at the end of the pod, but I'm just going to do it now so I don't forget. Um, I just want all of our listeners to know that this is um, Michaela Ram's last podcast with the fact checker. She is um, departing the Gazette um, to go to another reporting job at an entity that shall not be named. (laughs) Okay, it's the register. But anyway, we're going to miss Michaela on the fact checker team and in in the newsroom in general. Well, thank you. I'm going to miss working with you guys on this. It's been a great effort and wishing you all the best moving forward. Yeah. All right, but before that, she still has to do this last pod. Um, so today we are talking about, um, you know, the the November 2022 election already. So as part of that, um, there was a news story last month where Iowa Representative Jared Klein, who's a Republican from Kyoto, he's retiring from the Iowa legislature and he endorsed Democrat um, Senator Kevin Kinney for his uh, re-election in the fall. Kinney is facing um, Republican Don Driscoll. Uh, Their district was kind of merged, and now there's two incumbents competing in that district. And, you know, it's unusual to have a Republican endorse a Democrat, but Klein said Kinney, quote, does not care about partisan politics. And he noted that he had worked with Kinney on several bills in agriculture and public safety. Kevin Kinney um, is, uh, was first elected in 2018, and he's a former Johnson County Sheriff's deputy um, and farmer. So when that story broke, Iowa GOP Chair Jeff Kaufman released a statement saying, quote, Kevin Kinney acts one way at home, but when he goes to Des Moines, he votes in lockstep with the liberal progressives, progressives of his party. So that is what we are checking um, in, this, in this check today about um, how often Kevin Kinney votes, quote, in lockstep with liberal progressives. So, you know, that's a little bit subjective. So we emailed Kaufman to find out who he considers liberal progressives of the Iowa Senate. And he got back to us right away. His staff provided um, a spreadsheet that showed the roll call votes that the Iowa Senate took in 20 in this legislative session, which started in January and ended, I think, in May. Um, and how often Kinney voted with Senator Zach Walls, who's a Democrat from Coralville. Um, no, and Walls serves as the Iowa Senate Democratic leader. So, you know, essentially Coffin was saying, let's use Walls as the proxy for liberal progressives of the party. So on that spreadsheet, there were about 200 votes in which Walls and Kinney um, were present. Um, You know, there's sometimes where someone's missing for a day and they miss several votes in that period. So the fact checker team, we spent some time verifying the list, um, which was pretty accurate, adding some more information. We included how often each of these votes were were unanimous um, with both Democrats and Republicans voting the same way, um, how often the votes were contentious with six or more people dissenting from the majority vote, and how often Kinney voted opposite walls. So kind of breaking down that analysis for it a little bit. Of the 200 votes, 119 were unanimous, which really surprised me. I guess, you know, in the news business and maybe in the public too, we hear so much about the disagreements that 
I, I didn't, you know, I was not expecting to see so many unanimous votes. A lot of those are on really small issues that I think everyone in the legislature probably says, oh, yeah, that's an obvious change. Um, but anyway, so of about 80 non-unanimous votes, um, 50 were split or contentious. So again, that's kind of going on the benchmark of six or more senators voting in opposition. There were some votes where it might be like 48 to one, and I didn't, I mean, that's not unanimous, but it's pretty close to that. So of the um, 59 split votes, Kinney voted with Walls 47 times or about 80 percent of the time. So, you know, Kinney voted with his party on um, a lot of, um, you know, major issues. He sided with Democrats. Um, you know, it's a, it was a Republican controlled Senate. So lots of times they were just kind of voicing opposition to a bill that was going to pass anyway. Um, but some of the bills were the reduction in the amount of time you get unemployment benefits, protections for mobile home owners that Democrats didn't think went far enough, and a smaller increase for public school budgets than what Democrats wanted. Um, there were also lots and lots of amendments during the course of the session where Democrats tried to tweak legislation to get it to be more in their, um, you know, to their liking. And Kinney uh, voted in favor of those Democratic amendments, you know, I think almost every time. But Kinney did vote against the majority of his party, including Walls, 12 times in the 2022 session. And that included a significant vote um, for the 3.9% flat income tax rate that was passed in February. Almost all Democrats um, voted against that, except for Kinney. Kinney was also one of the only Senate Democrats to vote for changes to the bottle bill. Um, a lot of Democrats wanted changes, but this particular bill wasn't what they supported. Um, just because it was one of the lightning rod uh, bills of the session, I did note that Kinney was one of two senators who was absent the day the Senate voted on the the ban for transgender girls competing in school sports on school sports teams. So just kind of going to the conclusion, we're going to wrap it back to what the initial claim was that Kinney votes in lockstep lockstep with the liberal progressives of you know, in his party. So I, I was kind of looking at that word lockstep and there's a couple different definitions of it. Um, but one talks about, it says mindlessly adhered to, um, you know, a, a standard method or procedure that, that kind of minimal, minimal, minimizes individuality. It doesn't seem like Kenny's, you know, votes really were mindless. He was mindlessly adhering to a democratic, um, mentality. Uh, but, you know, it definitely was most of the votes, 80% of the contentious votes were along with this party. So I, I'm kind of landing on a B, but I definitely want to hear what the team thinks. Yeah, I think you did a really good job of breaking this down and getting a methodology and just a way to test this, first of all. I, I would agree with a B on this because 80%, I think there's, I mean, that's four out of five. He's voting with liberals liberal progressives a lot of the time, but it's not nearly what I would consider lockstep. I would say a B is a fair, it's, it's fair. I, I don't know if I could go to a C, but yeah, I think 80% B that, that matches pretty well to me. Yeah, I would agree. I think seeing that number, I mean, cause I went back and forth on whether this would fall to a C, especially, you know, when you provide the definition of lockstep and then the fact that Kinney has voted you know, against some major initiatives that the Democratic Party was 
pretty in line with. Um, and also the fact that Kenny seemed to vote, you know, on these kind of issues that I would think he would kind of vote in step with someone like Senator Walls, right? Um, but yeah, I don't know if it's enough to justify a downgrade to a C, especially when you, you point out that 80% figure. Um, and I also agree to sort of the way that you've broken down um, these votes in this legislation. I think it's a good methodology. So nice work on that. Thanks. Yeah, I think I where I come down on it is agreeing with Michaela, where I initially was kind of debating between a B or a C just because of the connotation of the word uh, lockstep when it seems like Kenny, you know, he's not always in lockstep with his party and, you know, even a proposal like the tax proposal um, with the flat tax rate, you know, to go against that shows he's not just voting uh, with his party on everything, um, much less the most progressive wing of his party. But since you do like lay out that solid methodology that gives us like a clean 80%, you know, I think it's fair to go with a B. Yeah. And maybe this is B, this might be too much work and, and granted not the scope within this check, but I would be curious how Kenny compares to maybe other, maybe more centrist Democrats, like if he's in line with them or if he tends to vote more Republican than other Democrats in, in the Iowa Capitol. I'd, I'd be curious about that, but not really within the scope of this check. And I certainly don't want to give you more work, Aaron, since you've already put a lot of time into this. Well, one thing I think is interesting as I got to working on this is I'm not even sure that Walls is, he's not the most um, extreme of his party. You know, I mean, there's, there's others like Herman Quirnbach out of um, Story County, you know, who, if you had measured him against some of those other Democrats, um, you know, this might've even been a little bit of a different number. So, um, you know, but, but usually with our fact checks, we kind of, um, go to our sources or, you know, go to the source of the claim and say, how are you defining this and provide your sourcing? So I think that's fair, but yeah, I mean, to your point, there's a variety of, of viewpoints within the democratic party. Yeah. I was trying to figure that out too. I, I couldn't figure out why he picked Zach Walls as the benchmark for, for liberal progressives. And I'm wondering what Zach Walls thinks of that. So that was interesting. Aaron, could you talk a little bit more about how you kind of developed this methodology and what your thought process was for that? Because I know um, we had talked about it a little bit earlier this week, and I know it was a challenge for you to get through a sheer 200 votes in the first place. Yeah, you know, I give Kaufman's staff a lot of credit for, you know, putting together this spreadsheet because when I saw how much time it took me to verify all of those 200 votes, I was like, wow, he had to do that too. <laughs> so, um, but I mean, as I started going through it, I'm like just marking like unanimous, 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 unanimous. And I was thinking, is it really a good metric to include those in the overall percentage. Because I think if you include all those unanimous votes when Kinney voted with yes, all the Democrats, but also yes, all the Republicans, it's not quite um, you know, fair. So I was thinking that I definitely wanted to, to disclose to our readers and listeners that methodology, but that it was more interesting and probably more accurate to kind of separate out those unanimous votes and look at the other votes instead. And, you know, in terms of um, just what we did, Iowa's, the Iowa legislative website is really a pretty good tool for um, popping in a bill number 
and then seeing, you know, what the vote, the roll call vote results were for each bill. The only part that was a little tricky was sometimes uh, the number of the votes that were on the spreadsheet were for amendments. And those are a little harder to kind of figure out which specific amendment it is and, you know, get the vote there and that kind of thing. Um, so, you know, but I, you know, basically just use the legislative website to, to verify this data. One of the things I was interested, um, you know, is just, uh, you know, the phrase like lockstep. And, um, you know, I think it's an interesting word just as I was looking it up and, you know, what that means. And I don't know. I, I think that was kind of fun to just because we as journalists like words and breaking them down. It's one of those words that like you hear in political ads all the time. I don't know if it's exactly a common vocabulary word for most other uses, though. I don't know. The language, I think, overall in this tweet was interested to me. Um, yeah, first the lockstep. And then, I don't know, I, I feel like the liberal progressives has become such a boogeyman word for the GOP, too. And so I, I noticed his use of, of that, not to mentioning, mentioning um, you know, Senator Don Driscoll's Sixth generation farmer, mother, community leader certainly paints a, a certain picture and connotation in this tweet. Right. It's going to be an interesting, I think this will be an interesting race to watch. I mean, I'm not sure, you know, you're pitting two farmers who are, you know, have slightly different viewpoints, but voted the same probably on a number of things. And one thing I think is, you know, that like there's been a lot of talk nationally about like Joe Manchin and his votes. Um, you know, and how some people are like, oh, he should, he should, you know, should no longer be a Democrat. But when you look at his actual votes, he voted with Democrats, you know, the vast majority of times. But because of his uh, state and his constituency, he has voted differently on some key issues. You know, I see that as kind of the same, you know, like Kenny has a district that is probably a lot more conservative than a lot of other Democrats in the state. And, you know, you know your constituents and, you know, probably a lot of the Democrats know that he has to vote that way, you know, in order to be reelected. Yeah, that's interesting to think about, particularly when we look at trends in Iowa over the last 10 years or so and how Iowa's gotten progressively redder and redder each year, particularly in those those rural areas. So it's interesting to look at Democrats that are still managing to make it out in um, out in the countryside at a time when the IDP is really struggling with that population. All right. Well, anything else you guys want to add? We good? All right. Well, we'll go with a B here. And I think we've got another check in the hopper for next week. Elijah, do you want to give us a heads up? Um, we're doing a our first check on Mike Franken and put out a statement a week or two ago about um, Chuck Grassley being all hat, no cattle on prescription drugs. So I'm going to be checking on whether Chuck Grassley wrote a bill that banned Medicare from negotiating for lower drug policies, uh, lower drug prices. And I'm also going to be checking how much money he's taken from the pharmaceutical industry. Um, Mike Franken claims it's over $1.4 million, but... We'll see if that's true. Awesome. That's such a Republican-esque um, statement from a Democrat. All hat, no cattle. I would love to get into the definition of what that means, personally. Well, if you I could... Think Miriam's, but Miriam Webster is going to have that in the dictionary. 
I thought that was like a Texas phrase. I don't know if I've heard that here before. I've never heard that before. <laughs> I think in Iowa, you could say like, you know, he's all F-150, no, no hogs. I don't know. <laughs> he's all butter, no cow. Ooh, yes. That one? I'm definitely all butter, no cow. All corn, <laughs> no ethanol. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well... Before we get any worse, I'll, I'll just wrap us up for today. Our fact checks are edited by Craig Jamulis. The podcast is produced by Stephen Colbert. And we're always looking for claims that you see or hear out there. So if you want to tip us off to anything, just send us an email at factchecker at thegazette.com. So until next time, I'm Aaron Jordan. I'm Elijah Decius. I'm Michaela Ram. I'm Marissa Payne. And we'll fact check you later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.